Hello everyone! Welcome back to the Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host, I am Masa. Hello everybody, I'm Sean. We hope that you all are staying safe from the coronavirus, enjoying extra quality time with your animal companions, and ready for this exciting episode. In our past episode, we had Dr. Joe Lane on and he described to us what the construction approach is and the history behind it. In today's episode, we will focus on how to use this information to enhance our relationship with our animal companions and even enhance the relationship between our clients and their animal companions. So, Sean, would you like to start us off today? Sure. So, listening to our last interview really started to make me think about when I adopted my dog, Peepers. And when I first adopted Peepers, um, it really didn't turn out the way that I pictured that it would at all. You know, when I brought him home, uh, I'm not joking about this, he, he literally ate my couch. He ate oh. right through the cushion to the floor. Mm. He was, you know, going to go to China. <laughs> he uh, also, you know, ate pretty much like every remote I had to every piece of electronics I had, PlayStation controllers, remotes for my TVs. Mm. Um, I think the iPhone like 4 was maybe out at this time, and I had just got my first iPhone and let it, set it on the table for a moment. He snatched it and started to eat that sucker too. Mm. He, he would pretty much, you know, try and eat or destroy just about anything he could get his mouth around. And, um, and you know what happened, Masa? Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I really kind of started to, you know, doubt my decision at this point. I really started to question if I had made a giant mistake in bringing this guy home. Mm. And I was really stressed at this point. And, um, you know, I was really wanting to get rid of all of these behaviors, which seems to be a pretty, you know, common, you know, thought process that maybe a lot of people have. We, we have this new companion that we brought home that we're trying to make work and they're literally, you know, making it probably as difficult as it could maybe, maybe be. And I know that for me, it would have really helped out a lot if there was a clear path that I could have followed when I first brought Peepers home that would have enabled me to immediately start building the kind of relationship that I was really wanting to have. So in our last interview, Dr. Lang mentioned a few questions that we can ask ourselves or even our clients to help keep us moving in that direction of that positive relationship that we that we all desire to have with our animal companions. And in fact, one of the big ones is this. Well, it goes, you know, to the whole constructional thing of, well, what would you like the dog to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not what you what do you want it to stop doing? So this is important because it really helps to change our our lenses, so to say, when living with our dogs. And this helps to move us from that situation where we're always looking for something to eliminate or something to punish to where we're looking at things that the dog's doing that we can start building off of. And we can start seeing them as assets and, you know, full of potential that we can move from one situation to another. And when doing dog training, I like to tell my clients that that we kind of grew up in the Caesar Milan era of dog training. I know that when I was first coming into this, Caesar Milan was really big, and I read all of his books and loved his TV show. And, and, and what that show really effectively taught all of us was what we did not want to see our dogs doing. 
That show teaches you to find behaviors that are bad that you want to eliminate and teaches you to eliminate them and correct them. And that really puts us in this like policeman state where we're always monitoring our dogs to have to eliminate these bad behaviors. And it, and it puts us in a, in a really bad situation because if, even if we are successful in eliminating that behavior, we're often not left with the dog that we actually want. And it's because we've not actually put any of that consideration to what we want our dog to do. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I would like to add on the experience of the learner, in this case, the experience of our animal companion. So if we are always looking for those behavior that we, we see, we, we label as bad behavior and then use some kind of correction procedure to eliminate those behavior, the animal companion may see us as a person who might give you know, aversive correction this time or may give affection. They are not sure. They are always confusing. And... It is really the change of our behavior to change dog's behavior. So if we are always consistent with looking for those good behavior, desirable patterns of behavior, and give the type of interaction that the dogs or the cats or animal companion wants, they will start doing those behavior in other condition, other situation. And we may find ourselves describing them as we, you know, we used to describe them as hyperactive or really disruptive then now you will label them as really sweet and calm and affectionate animal companion. That's absolutely right. So Dr. Lang spoke with us about these questions to ask, what these answers mean, and ways that we can potentially respond to help start us off on the right foot. Let's take a listen. Your clients are coming in because there's an issue that is causing them some aversive stimulation, right? Mm -hmm. Typically, there's a problem. And uh, they would like that change. Um, or maybe they're getting a, an animal for the first time and want to start out on the right foot. That's mm -hmm. also possible. So what we would say and what we do is we'd say, um, if we were successful, you're here because you want some program outcome. So if you were successful, what would the outcome be for you? Mm -hmm. And typically people then begin, if they came in on the basis of some problem they're trying to solve, we'll talk about it in terms of eliminating the problem. And they will go on. Now, what we do is always let them do so. We don't cut them off. Um, because it's important to get the ball rolling, to get them to talk about their issues, to, to make them feel comfortable, and that they have, if someone's listening to them. But we don't let it go on forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what we will typically say is, I see um, that these are important issues to you. And then we'll say something like, well, let's imagine that it's six months after L-Day. Now, L-Day is probably a new concept for most of us. The idea here is that we have uh, been liberated from all of our problems. There has been a tap from a magic wand and now everything is perfect. So now what exactly would that situation be? That is the right question. In Peeper's case, we need to ask what he will be doing. Like you said, he used to destroy your entire house, but now after the magic one tap, he's not doing those behaviors anymore. But what is it that he should be doing instead? 
Because ideally, what he will be doing in the absence of those problem behavior is going to be our goal. So what would the ideal situation be with peepers is what we need to identify. In other words, if I was a fly on the wall watching peepers, what, it, what is it that I should see peepers doing? That's exactly right. And, and so, you know, that's something that, you know, I, I probably needed to consider before I brought him home. You know, what would I actually have him doing? Would he be playing with my other dog that I had at the time? Would he be sitting next to me watching Lord of the Rings, you know, over the weekend, just kind of calmly hanging out? Yeah. That is the, the question that needs to be answered whenever we're bringing home a new companion. And this can often be a difficult thing to nail down to, to be able to identify. And, but doing this can also avoid our animals having to be returned to the shelter because of surprise behaviors that pop up in the absence of us actually knowing and shaping towards an, an actual relationship. That's a great point. So after we have identified a goal, we need to know where to start and what better place to start than where we are now. And Dr. Lang is going to now share with us some questions to ask that help us be more effective as companions to our animals and to our clients. These questions are aimed to help us understand where we are now, what people are looking for, and good starting points to begin training. The next question we ask is, okay, what's going well now? What would we change? Mm. So now you get to explore what they like about their relationship, what they like about their situation in life or their animal, for example, in their interaction. So we want to know what wouldn't change, what, what, what stays, they want to stay the same. So we're not going to go in and ask them to change that part of their behavior or their the significant other's behavior. So now what we've done is we've got the two first steps, right? We've gotten where we want to go mm -hmm. compared to where we are now. And where we are now in terms of, you know, some of the, we're beginning to see some of those current repertoires and what's going well. Mm. And then we ask, well, why start now? What brought you in? And now you'll get a, a kind of a, a readback on the consequences that are important. Mm -hmm. oh. mm -hmm. Right? Mm. So what brought you in now is because you're not getting something you want mm. or there's something happening you want to get away from. And that question will begin to tell you why. Mm. Right? Why and what's going on. And then we ask, is there times when the present problem isn't a problem? Mm. What we're looking here for in this case is specific instances of stimulus control. You know, it only happens, uh, the dog only jumps up on me when other people are around. But not when other people aren't around. Oh, well, maybe what's happening is the dog then gets to interact with the other people in a way because I'm pushing them off and people go, oh, isn't he cute? You never know, right? Um, I'm not saying that's what maintains jumping behavior. I'm just giving that as an example. Mm -hmm. But the idea is, what's the stimulus control of the behavior? What, is there a time when the problem isn't a problem? So what Joe mentioned just now, the question to ask ourselves or our client, what is going well 
seems to be a really important question. It seems to reveal some situations that we can start training from. And it also gives us a clue to what the client wants to see more of and what their companion is already doing that may be relevant towards our desired goal. That's right. And, and this seems to be a really great part where he starts, you know, kind of telling us how we're going to get from where we are now to where we want to go. And I bet in many situations, more often than not, our clients might even actually know ways to get there mm. and uh, maybe just don't really know, you know, that they actually know it. Mm. And so sometimes there might even be questions that we can ask that might help reveal some knowledge that the that the caretaker of the animal actually already knows. And then we ask, well, what similar problems related in any way have you solved in the past? Hmm. And how did you solve it? So now we're tapping into the problem-solving repertoire of the person themselves. And we want to know how they solved it. So after we ask our questions and make our observations, we can start building our steps to get from where we are now to where we want to go. And this is a shaping program. And this is the part where we want to pay attention to our learner's current repertoire in relation to what we are asking. Because ideally, we would like to get from where we are now to where we want to go with few errors as possible. That's absolutely right. We, we definitely want to make sure that we're not asking for more than what our animal companions or our learners can actually deliver to us. And, um, you know, in, in my situation with Peepers, you know, when we were last talking about him, he was, you know, destroying my home and we were trying to figure out, mm -hmm. you know, how it was that we were going to solve this situation. And in this moment to be constructional, I really had to ask myself what it is that I wanted peepers to do. And we mentioned a couple earlier, um, you know, playing with my dog, hanging out with me while I watch TV. And um, it turned out that peepers actually was already offering me a lot of behavior that I could use to build on. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it, it was that peepers love to be pet and I love to pet him. And it just so happened also in these moments that while I pet him, he would be really calm and he would, you know, really lay into me and, and soak up that affection. And so what I ended up doing was taking those moments and kind of building it up like a stay to where he was really learning that in these situation or in any situation, really, if he were to just, you know, come up and sit down and lay next to me, that he would get exactly what it was he was looking for. And, you know, and with time, you know, I started to notice that he was doing it all the time. You know, whenever I was, you know, sitting on the couch, whenever people were coming over, he would constantly go to this really easy way that he learned to ask for affection, which was to go up to people and sit and lay down. And he got exactly what he was looking for. And before you knew it, my crazy dog that was chewing through my couch trying to get to China and destroying everything <laughs> I owned was now the calmest, sweetest little guy that you could ever be around. And people really also love to be around peepers. Really great story. I can back your statement that everybody loves Peeper because I love Peepee. He's the cutest and the most affectionate dog I have ever interacted. He's really, he's, he's, he's my favorite dog. <laughs> so coming back to the way you build relationship with him, I wanted to emphasize that the consequence that you were giving him 
was the one that he wanted the whole time, your affection. And that is what you gave him to shape up the desirable behaviors. Using the critical consequence in this way is an important feature of the construction approach. In fact, it is this that maintains behaviors in the constructional program. That's right. The goal of a constructional program is to teach our learners how to obtain the same consequence received for the undesired behavior through this other way. So in Peeper's case, he will now be sitting for attention rather than destroying my home for attention. That's right. So in our interview with Dr. Lang, he tells us exactly what critical consequences are. And they are the ones that control if the behavior will occur or not. And so now this leads us to the question of what some critical consequences can be. And now Dr. Lang will elaborate on this and we'll also discuss how these are related to animal welfare. Hospital, we broke it down into there are three major categories of consequences that everybody wanted. Okay. Everybody wanted. Okay. You know, three square meals a day, <laughs> a roof over their head, uh huh. You know, and some social contact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Social life of some type, right? Mm -hmm. Those three things govern everybody's behavior. Right. <laughs> That's it. The rest. They're, everything is extensions out of that. Mm. That is right? a really, really, uh, that may be a critical feature of welfare, animal welfare, having those <laughs> social, yeah, and, and roof. You know, and I mean, the, the, I mean, the, you know, and the rest is just how much, you know, what's the minimum you can do have to be, be happy. Although in that section, Dr. Lang uses a human example. Um, these critical consequences may also be important critical consequences for our animal companions, especially when concerning animal welfare. And we will have a full episode on animal welfare soon. And one other note for you guys before we wrap up for the day. Um, we've been trying to keep something, you know, trying to keep a lid on something for you guys, a little surprise for later. But the procedure that we mentioned earlier that used affection to shape up Peeper's behavior does actually have a name. And it's known as Constructional Affection. And we will have a link to the website to Constructional Affection in our description. And um, it just so happens to be a procedure that I developed with a colleague of mine, Chase Owens, when we were studying at the University of North Texas under the instruction of Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz. And uh, we will certainly have a full episode on Constructional Affection ready for everybody very soon. But in the meantime, feel free to check out the link in our description. This marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this gave everybody some relief from this current situation. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. Feel free to get more information or reach out to us on Facebook, Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training, or email us at caawtcontact at gmail.com. In our next episode, we are going to talk about relationships. And what better time to focus on our relationship with our animal companions than now when we are quarantined with them? Thank you so much for joining us today. We are your host, I am Masa. And I am Sean. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companion. <laughs>